0: Is trying to steal your joy, and when we understand that there are things in our lives that is trying to take the joy from what God has placed in us, then we must now anchor ourselves in what God has placed in your soul. You know, it's just like going fishing. A lot of us fish in ponds, that's how shallow we are, some of us fish in lakes. But when you really want to go fishing, God said get in the ocean and watch how deep I can go. So when we look at the book of Philippians today, God is leading us to understand that this joyous occasion is based on not on circumstances things, and places, but it's based on who I am in you. The book of Philippians is is a book that Paul took great pride in writing. And the thing that made it so prideful, this is the only book that Paul didn't have to address himself as the apostle. All Paul said was, I'm here. And the church knew who he was. So when we look at the characteristics of this church and what made Paul so proud of this church, and Paul was trying to describe to us in the book of Philippians, this is what a healthy church consists of. And he's saying to us, if you're going to look at a church, look at this church. I didn't even get to spend a lot of time in this church. I went by around 49 AD and 10 years later I'm writing to this church because I never got to go back to this church. But out of the seed that was planted in this church came a healthy church. Because it fell on good soil. Did it have problems? Of course. Because by the time Paul writes this letter, the second generation the church is starting to come about, and what happens from the original is we start to get creative and start thinking, "Well, this is old fashioned. We don't need this no more." So we start to generate teachings that become false. Come out, come out, come out. So Paul is addressing not the false teaching like we would do. Paul's addressing the positiveness of what then came out of the church. Paul well aware that things is wrong. One of the other things that was wrong with this church was the women love to fight and create stuff. But Paul said this is still a healthy church. And if you need a theme for about this church and the theme about today, today I'm gonna be preaching from the theme of this is it. Well, what's it? This is a good church. And Paul is going to identify in two verses the key ingredients of the church. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Paul is saying this is it. So what makes this church it? And if you know anything about the Bible or if you got any Bible history when Paul wrote the book of Philippians Paul knew that God was going to take the book of Philippians and pass it around to all the churches that was established. And Paul wanted them to know when you read the book of Philippians, you're not reading something that is condemning. You're reading something that done brought me great joy in my circumstances. I'm locked up in prison. I don't even know if I'm going to make it out. But this church has brought me great joy because I done did and seen what this church is doing. It's only 13 years old, but right now it's blossoming, it's growing, and it's becoming what I needed to become. If we were talking about vision, Paul was so happy, so joyous. Despite his circumstances, Paul looked at the Philippian church and said, this is it. If you want to be a church, look at this church. If you want to work as a body of believers, look at this church. Because this church is turning out to be a healthy church. Notice he didn't say perfect. Notice he didn't say it was going to be something grander. He just said it's a healthy church. And it's able to do what God has called it to do. Paul said, this church touched my heart. And I'm loving this church because not only is these believers doing what they need to do, but they're exceedingly doing what they need to do. What is so great about this church in two little verses? Well, the first thing that Paul says is it just takes the time to disciple young people. It's not sitting around resting on his balls and his loyal and it's not sitting around talking about, well, I'm the parent and I'm not worried about the rest of you. He said this church did the first thing a church needs to do. It needs to reach down into the next two generations and make sure that these two generations that is following us is able to be discipled into the grace and love of God so that the church will have the power and the strength to keep on going. So when we go see Jesus, the church keep on going. Charles said they, they took time to establish a relationship. That's why we got Children's Church going. It's part of the vision when I got here. It needs to touch the kids at an early age because everything in life, everything else is touching them and contaminating them and making them go against Jesus. If I can give them Jesus at an early age, then maybe they'll keep on going. See, we... He said this church didn't mind letting the young people become responsible. He said this church didn't mind letting them take a position and grow. This church didn't mind making disciples of the young people, not through condemnation and not through telling them how bad they are, but he said they reached into the culture and they got young people and they said, I need you to walk and walk, be like me, so that you can be example for Christ because we're going to disciple you that when, the, when we are gone and you go through persecution, you don't rely on you, but you rely on Jesus who's in you. He said, this is a part of the Great Commission. <coughs> he said, when the Great Commission comes, watch this, church. When we say the Great Commission of Matthew 28 19, 19, it says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Watch this. This church knew that if we're going to do the Great Commission, I don't even have to go outside my front door. Because what's sitting in my house needs to be go ye. Therefore, the young kids, the children that's in my house I need to disciple them before I worry about discipling others. Because if you know Acts 1 and 8, he said, you will be my witness. And the first place he said, be my witness, in Jerusalem. The first place we need to be our witness is not sitting out on Grove or 21st Street. We need to witness at the address in your house. You got a whole bunch of young folks sitting right there. And this church took pride in discipling the young people. The second thing that this church does, it says that Paul said, "I'm a bond servant." Not only am I a bond servant, but my son Timothy is a bond servant. Now here's where the problem starts to come in. And most of us, since Black History Week is right around the corner, say we were so detrimental. That we want to change the words in the Bible For what they really meant So that we don't feel so bad But I got news for you When Paul wrote that he was a bond servant Or that word literally means I am a slave to Christ And a good healthy church Wants to be a slave to Christ We are bought with a price Oh did you know somebody bought you Did you know that Jesus bought you? Do you know that Jesus expected you to become his slave because he bought you with a price when he went up on Calvary and spread his arm and he died and he hung there and he bought you with a price and he bought you because he said that not only do I love you so much but I'm going to buy you so that you don't have to ever go through what Adam went through because that's why you are a slave to be a slave no Who the master is. And what doesn't happen to us is. We done forgot who the master is. Because Jesus said. Paul said I'm a slave to Christ. And I don't mind doing whatever Christ tells me to do. Because I'm a bond servant to Christ. I'm not just a servant. I am his willing vessel. To do whatever God done called me to do. If you want to call me a puppet. Call me a puppet. Because whichever way he tells me to go, I'm a servant unto him. I am a blind servant to Christ. He's my master. He's more than Lord. He's my God. He's greater than anything that I can ever imagine. And I don't mind bowing down to his command. Because his command is in my hand. Because he loved me. He said, I'm a bond servant, and Timothy joined me in this. He said, when my master speak, I jump. When my master say fetch, I go fetch. Oh, you can talk about how prideful we are today in the 21st century. Because we done overcame slavery. But I have not overcame my slavery. Because I'm a slave to Jesus who tells me to do. And you know what I love about him? He the best master I could ever have. Because he know how to do. <laughs> said, I'll be a bond because nobody take care of me better than he takes yes. care of me. I even take care of me better than I can take care yes. of myself. Yes. I'll be a slave. Yes. 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 He says, yes, I belong to him. Yes. Yes. yes, I'm sitting in this Roman prison, but I'm not sitting around crying and yelling woe's me Come Come because on. I done seen the fruit of what I done done through Christ Jesus. And when I look at the Philippian church, great joy come to me, change to a Roman soldier. After I go to the restroom when he tell me to go to the restroom, eat when they tell me to eat. When, when things ain't doing right. He said, I don't mind being a slave to Christ because even though my circumstances ain't right, but the joy that's in my life, knowing that the gospel of Jesus is doing this work, I am happy. Yeah. See, he said, I don't mind this fight because this is a good fight. He said, I bring every gaunt and everything into captivity, yes. all negativity that's trying to hit on me at the midnight hour when Ooh. Satan is sitting there trying to tell me, yes. look what your God done done to you. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him anyway. He said, I'm obedient. Just jail I'm in. It's because I was obedient to him. I was talking about him and they put me in jail. Oh, how many of you when he say you getting ready to go to jail because you talking about him? How many of you, when they say we gonna fire you, cause you talking about him? How many of you when they try to put laws and regulations for talking about him? How many of you are willing to be a slave to Christ? But no, let's go and to use our 21st century thinking. God knows my heart. Well, the reason why you didn't do it, because of your heart. God knows what I, do. God knows I want to, but I can't. God, like, oh yeah, watch this. Since you can't, then you need to be reevaluating yourself. See, there's nothing wrong with being a slave to God. Moses was a slave to God. Joshua was a slave to God. David was a slave to God. Paul was a slave to Jesus. James was a slave to Jesus. See, Jude was a slave to Jesus. See, there's nothing wrong with being a slave to Jesus because what you go through here on earth cannot compare to the glory he's going to give you when it's all said and done. So as believers We should be a Philippian church and have the joy of the Lord despite my circumstances. So what? I'm not living next to the coke, brothers. So what? I don't have all the money in the world. So what? I'm not able to do what I want to do. So what? Jesus doesn't call me the little old miss that I can't do what I want to do. So what? I can't do and drive what I wanna drive. So what I ain't dressing the way I wanna dress. So what I don't care what people talking about. So what they gonna talk about you anyway. You might as well learn how to rejoice yes. through the persecution. See, because today we need great men and women to be slaves yes. to Christ. Because where the false teaching done came in is we talking now that we don't have to worry about doing all that stuff with Jesus no more. I know this. If that's the same God yesterday and the same God today and the same God in the future, I don't think this God done changed. I think we done changed this God. See, we need a word and people that's willing to go through some stuff. Because God is saying, you want it easy, but it's not going to be easy. And this is the thing that you don't understand. You may be friends with this world, and it may be easy, but sooner or later, you're going to have to still answer to me. And it ain't going to be easy, because I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Why didn't you? Why wouldn't you? How come you couldn't do it? See, you're the one going to have to answer these questions. See, God is saying it isn't a beautiful word for a healthy church. Now I got to distinguish some stuff. See, this is where the church started to lose it. Notice Paul used the word saints. Saints mean literally, sanctified, and holy. That's <laughs> the end of that conversation. <laughs> True saints. See, he wasn't walking. See, where do we get messed up in this? Paul ain't writing to church members. Paul writing to saints. Church members do what they want to do. Saints do what God want them to do. See, Paul noticed the word he said to all the saints. See, Philippians you see, the church can be as big as you want it to be. But everybody in the church ain't a saint. See, that's where we get all messed up. When, see, a true saint is referred to those that are sanctified and holy. Mm. Well, let me help you another way. Because some of y'all, this may be the problem. You are sanctified and holy. You just don't know it. Because a true saint when you got saved is separated from the world. So whether you want to be sanctified or holy or not, I've got news for you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you are sanctified and holy. And that word saint means you Because when you get separated yes, yes. and set apart, yes. you're owned by God. Yes. And when you're separated, yes. you're going through some initial processes of yes, life. Yes, yes. See, the first process is a positional sanctification. Yes. Where a person that believes in Jesus is immediately set apart. So what does happen to you is you just can't handle this. You came down and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and immediately Jesus that separated your soul from this world. But just because your physical body is still here, you are still set apart in the hands and eyes of God and he don't look at you like he used to look at you. You are now sanctified under God's holiness and when God looks down at you, God don't see you as the sinner, he see you holy. See, when you permanently see it and you know you are saved, then you start to live a little bit differently. Yes, yes. When you permanently see it and you know you are saved, you start to act a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. When you permanently see it and you know you are set apart, you start to talk a little bit differently. When you permanently see it and you know you are set apart, you start to look a little bit differently. Yeah. <laughs> when you're permanently sealed and you know you're set apart all of a sudden the joy of the Lord starts to get oh y'all need it. see but the problem is you battle with "Am I set apart and God is like I set you apart and you keep going, well, I don't know if I'm set apart. And Satan get in your heart and in your mind and start telling you. See, you ain't set apart. Look, you're still doing the same old thing You're still cussing them out. You're still angry. You're still doing this. And you're still doing that. That's positional. Cause see most of us haven't moved into being set. Oh, you all need to same Then there's progressive sanctification. And this is when the believer makes a decision. I'm going to be sanctified. You can talk about me. You can call me names. You can think I'm holier than that. I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what Jesus has told me I am. I'm going to quit living what you keep thinking I am. I'm going to start living who he say I am. I don't care what you think. This is what my God done said. He said I'm holy and I'm sanctified. So I'm going to start walking, talking, believing, acting, doing, being what I know he done called me to be as I said. See, when you get that part, you start to be something. And then when things start to hit your life, you don't better sit around saying, "Hold me. You start getting up and saying, In the name of Jesus, I'm going to do something about this. See, when you start to overcome circumstances, then God then permanently moved you. Don't feel bad if you ain't dead yet. Because what you gotta understand is the reason why you're not there yet is because you haven't appreciated what he already done for you. And what he did at Calvary is the start. And out of the start of Calvary came the baptism of the Spirit that rests rule and abide in you. Then God starts to move mountains in your life. God starts to open up the seas in your life. God starts to make me walk on water in my life. God's saw to do things that is exceedingly and abundantly in my life. Because he's showing me I'm set apart. Yes, yes. yes. No, yeah. yes, yes. Now here is when the saint then moves to total sanctification. When the saint knows. That he's eternally secure in the Lord. When the saint flat knows that God has moved him to eternal sanctification. Well, Pastor, what in the world is eternal sanctification? Well, eternal sanctification is in the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Eternal sanctification is what's in heaven is here on earth. Eternal sanctification, believe it or not, is the heaven in me is now living through me. Eternal sanctification is the Christ who lives also lives in me. No longer do I worry about this stuff. Now my mind and my heart is now focused on Hester, eternal sanctification is heavenly minded. Watch this. You done heard this statement, and I love it. You're so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. Tell Jesus that. Because he was definitely heavenly minded. And I know he did a whole bunch of earthly good. See, when you get eternally sanctified, then you understand God in his Trinitarian way. When you get eternally sanctified, you know... You are saved through a holy Jesus. When you get eternally sanctified, you know the spirit of God now dwells in you. And your body and mind and heart is starting to become holy. When you get eternally sanctified, the Bible no longer is just a book to read. The Bible comes alive and starts to speak to you, guide you lead you and trust you. The scriptures become what you need every day. And the Bible starts to become real. Not just an inanimate object, but it's alive and well because I'm eternally sanctified because the word of God is no longer living. It's done cut through all the bones in the marrow. And now that I did what it needed to do, that my heart and my mind then looked at these words and the growth of God is starting to come into my life. See, when a person Knows that God has eternally put me in where I am. Then now you can call me a holy brother. Now you can call me a holy priesthood. Now you can call me holy because I am holy. Now you can call me holy before God because at the altar, like Isaiah, when I get up and I look and I pray and I worship, and all of a sudden the the, the clouds open up. And I see Jesus sitting on the throne, high and lifted up.
1: And I hear
0: the seraphim say, holy, holy, holy is his name. And I have that eternal holiness. Then the last two things Paul writes in these little old scriptures. It's for the church. Notice he says bishops and deacons that ain't by accident that have divine purpose and what made this place a healthy place is because the ministries of the leaders worked in harmony they weren't in competition They weren't trying to override one another. The deacons weren't trying to fire the bishops, and the bishops weren't trying to crucify the deacons. In this church, everybody knew their positions and places. In this church, everybody understood what God wanted the leadership to do as it marched the church toward the glory of God. In this church, They knew that being a bishop was not just sitting around lording over the people and trying to tell them and wear all these fancy robes and stuff and hats and stuff and act like they're so pious like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. No, in this church, the bishops knew they had to get down and get to work and lift up the people with the word of God and serve the people and encourage them to keep on walking, keep on talking, despite the persecution that they were going through because they understood Ephesians 4, 11, 12, that I gave these gifts to the church and a bishop was a gift to the church. But what's this bishop was supposed to do? This bishop was supposed to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And each bishop understood what they were supposed to do. I'm a bishop of evangelism. I'm a bishop of poverty. I'm a all bishop right, of women's mission. I'm a bishop of this. I'm a bishop. And they understood that we can work together and do what we need to do. And what made it a healthy church If they didn't fuss and fight, they worked together. And they all got together and got to the altar and told God, we are slaves to you. You tell us what to do, and whoever rises up to be the Archbishop, that's all right to me because I'm going to keep on serving you. I'm going to keep on doing what you done calling me to do. And the deacons, they knew how to fall in line. They knew to serve the people. Somebody's sick. Somebody's not acting right. Somebody's been missing for a few days. Somebody is having problems. Somebody needs some help. Somebody might need some food. Somebody might need something. They knew what they said they supposed to do. And they built a community that was willing to do what God wanted to do. And they called it the church because Paul said, thank you, because this is it. This is the way it's supposed to look when the body of Christ is not functioning perfectly, but healthy. It was organized. It respected one another. It understood that the body of Christ was his primary purpose. They let God be the guide. And all, Paul said, this is it. Let me write this. And I know the Lord is going to let this letter touch every church that's struggling, that's fighting, that ain't doing what they're And he was really talking about the Corinthians. He said, this is it. This church is bringing me so much joy despite my circumstances. Because they're doing what God has envisioned this church to do. And my brothers and sisters, this is when the church can feel good about itself. When you can experience not just this church building, not just the church by Greater Paul Baptist Church, but I'm talking about your church. The church that's in you. And when your church can experience and function like a healthy church, Then you will hear and understand these words. Grace and peace is my ultimate goal. Jesus, thank you for your grace, because I ain't perfect, but thank you for making me healthy. Lord, thank you for your peace. I'm not worried about nothing no more, because I know in your divine will and when I got your grace and I got your peace I don't have to worry no more about nothing no more when I got your grace and I got your peace then joy can run in my life when I got your grace and I got your peace love can be a part of my life when I got your grace and I got your peace I can be kind to somebody when I got your grace, and I got your peace, I can be good to somebody. When I got your grace, and I got your peace, self-control can be a part of me. When I got your grace, and I got your peace, then I can do all to- And the two little old scriptures, Paul said, this is it. This is it. This is what it's supposed to look like. Because yeah, yeah. right, of the people. And they ended up understanding grace and peace oh, yes. will overcome it all. Because yes. yes. my willingness yes. to be who God said that I am, this is the Philippian Church. This is my prayer for greater faith, but my prayers is even greater than that. I want this in your life yes. because when you got grace and peace. You don't argue no more. When you got grace and peace, you don't have to fight no more. When you got grace and peace, you don't have to worry about what somebody do to you. When you got grace and peace, oh, they disrespected me. I ain't worried about that no more because they ain't going to interrupt my grace. And they ain't
1: going to
0: interrupt my peace. I don't care what you say about me, because when I know that this is it, I'm good to go.